Working Interferences is intended for mature audiences. Since the hosts never grew up, someone needs to be the adult. Welcome to Working Interferences with Josh and Lance, the dental advice podcast for the average dentist. Here is Josh and Lance. And now for part two of our review of The Dentist. Bubble into our hygienist carotid artery. Uh-huh. Um, <clears throat> let's get into, uh, are there any other scenes that I didn't have in that list that you guys want to bring up? Um, no. I, I know. I mean, I like, uh, I don't think we're going to talk much more about the little girl, you know, with the ortho appointment. I did think it was funny that... After she was uh, visually raped by the guest star, we haven't mentioned yet. Um, in, a, in a later scene, I think it's I think it's during the they're dropping like fly scene. She's randomly sitting in a Panerex. Yes. Yeah, I don't know. It what, is during the dropping like fly scene. That's exactly what it is. Yeah, and it's like this weird kind of thing. And also, I think it's funny that she keeps insisting that she get to go back and have you know she can't wait to get her braces off. So even after. Um, after uh, somebody stands there and calls him a demented, sick pervo, you know, she's begging to go back after, you know, begging to go back and be seen after the guest star, you know, calls the dentist to his face, a demented, sick pervo when he gets uh, April rains outside. And she is still so unconscious from this propofol. And finally, the outside air snaps her too, and she's able to tell the story of what of what actually happened in there. Of being accosted of being, by, yeah. uh, by the dentist. Um so let's get into overacted moments because there's a lot of them. We're now going to talk about the co-star that we haven't mentioned yet. That is the elephant in the room. Mark Ruffalo is in this movie. Yes, the 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 Incredible Hulk. Mark Ruffalo um, is in like what three scenes of this movie? Yeah, yeah, yeah. he's definitely in three scenes. He's very uh, 1980s kind of Lacoste shirt that he's wearing. Yes. But it, yeah. it looked like the original actor was supposed to be Norm from Cheers. And then he backed out. They'd already bought this shirt. Very big polo shirt. Yeah. Very big polo shirt where the sleeves are like coming down mid forearm. Gold chain around his neck. Just kind of. And the, sw- sweater tied around his neck. Again, in the 85 degree heat. Just just yeah. central casting smarmy Hollywood agent, which was really, really yeah, funny to like- see Mark Now You See Me. Ruffalo. What was the magic movie he was in? Was it called Now You See Me? Uh, yeah, I think it, I never saw that one, but that's it. Was the right. sister piece to the Prestige? And I don't know why I love both those movies. Uh, I I do love the Prestige. I've never seen Now You See Me. I'll have I to think watch that's that. what it's called. And I think there was a second one as well, kind of like the Dinner. Yeah, he was in. He he played Dylan Rhodes in a movie called Now You See okay. Me. Okay. Um, he is overacting every single chance that he can get. It is it is early in his career. I'm guessing. Let's go back. I think and it's his first his one. Uh, it's close to it. Um, he's been in a. He was in a couple things before that. It's his. It's really like his third real, mm. fourth real credit. Um, so he doesn't know what he's doing. He is the agent for April Rains, the beauty queen, uh, who uh, she says, "Oh, I won a state fair competition or something." That's like that. a but good. She's got line. a Hollywood agent. That's a good line. Right off the yeah. bus, came out from Iowa. And thinks she's going to get into movies when you know, you know all Ruffalo does is porns. 
Yeah, <laughs> she's sure. going to be Absolutely. in. She's going to be on that black couch, that black leather couch that we all know so well. Yeah, she's going to be in Genital Hospital or someone one of those like re- porn remakes of it, like Ball My Children or something like that. A porn remake of an old soap opera. The the best overacting by Ruffalo is you mentioned it earlier, but Sarah, the girl who's there to get her braces off, he talks to her about getting her into fashion. Uh, which is really awkward because she's like 14. Yeah, this this scene should have launched the Me Too movement back in 1996. <laughs> this is this is awful the way he's like eyeing her and then and then coerces her into pretending she's walking on a catwalk, you know, to because you know to see if she can be a fashion model. Ugh. And she, yeah, it's it's so awkward because she's so young. Um, and then the coming back to punch him in the face. I mean, every single scene that he's in is is out of this world uh, from from an overacting standpoint. Um, the other overacting uh, award I think would would be would go to is Jody's mom. You know, like we we talked about earlier, Jody's mom carrying you know shrieking, carrying him out of the office um, like a like a wounded Civil War uh, you know uh, Confederate soldier. Um, she's she's out. She's off of the charts. From the second she comes out on on screen until she leaves that office, she has an amazing line though. Before that, where um, as he's poking around in her uh, five year old's mouth, uh, she says, "You built up quite a practice, a lot of money in <laughs> dentistry these days." And I was like, "Where are the signs of this? You know, amazing practice that you know that he has." It was the pink walls with the green doors. That I, I mean, I'll was. grant him that the. The, the the waiting room is unusually full of irate patients <laughs> <laughs> yelling and and screaming to get out of there. But I love that thing about there's a lot of money in in, in dentistry these days. That was uh, that was pretty funny to see her. Like uh, again, he's got a sharp object that could have set off the dentist. He's got a sharp object yeah. next to the patient's incisive papilla. She's ragging on him about all the money that he's making. But yeah, that uh, was overacted. I am my overacted moment. Th- there was so many, but there was one Corbin Burnson thing where it was just. Too much. And Josh, I wrote it down, but I don't remember the scene. So I'm counting on your <laughs> four rewatches. There's a point where he yells leeches, blood sucking leeches. Well, I have this down. Okay. Yeah, it's it's when it's when the hygienist, I have this written down. <laughs> I have it, it it's in this category. Um the hygienist Karen comes in and she says, Doctor, what's going on? The IRS is on the phone. <laughs> Again, and and he screams blood sucking leeches. Oh, that's They're a- leeches. Yeah, <laughs> okay. <laughs> so good, so good. I, I felt the La Scala scene was really overacted. I mean, his like how into opera he was was really ridiculous. The the tuxedo was ridiculous. The scarf was ridiculous. That whole scene was was really significantly overacted. Lance, do you have any other overacting moments that we didn't touch I, on? I couldn't pick one. I thought the whole damn show was that's the whole thing. <laughs> thing you had to pick like. The most one. Yeah. But come on. Let's talk the, the about- final scene in the dental school where he's yelling, extract, extract. <laughs> Everybody needs to extract. You know, try, he's trying to get, so he's in a room of, I don't know, 15 dental students trying to force them all to start doing extractions <laughs> extract on their patient for no reason. Not that they're all even holding <laughs> I mean, what if you're just doing operative or doing endo? I mean, what, how are you going to get that tube out of there? But he's yelling extract at the top of his lungs, and it's pretty hilarious and very overacted. Uh, uh, let's go to the next category, which is Apex Mountain, uh, which this is is uh, is from the Ringer podcast. They do something called Apex Mountain, um, where they talk about 
if 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 this movie is that actor's apex mountain obviously this movie is no one's apex mountain um but let's talk about what was corbin bernson's apex mountain was it la law or was it major league it was la law i think it was la law it had to be yeah it was such a big it, show it was i think for me i would say major league but that's because i, I i'm a little bit young younger than you're you guys a, yeah. and you're a baseball fanatic yeah i mean if that if that movie was about shuffleboard i don't think you i don't, I don't <laughs> think you would or badminton i don't think you would uh Necessarily feel that way, but uh, L.A. Law was a huge commercial success, and the critics liked to jump. I'm telling you, it was huge. I mean, it, it probably it was on NBC, so it probably predated musty musty TV because I, you know it wasn't yeah. a comedy, but it was sol- it was the anchor of some night. I don't remember what night. Yeah, it was on. I can almost remember the the theme song. I mean, it was a uh, it, yeah. it was big, and it wasn't as procedural. By the way, my favorite thing about the Sopranos is how they make fun of Italian people. How these Guidos all the time, they're always getting words wrong. Like instead of saying prostrate, they say prostate. But but one of them was talking about, uh, it was actually John Favreau who was talking about Dick Wolf. There's a couple Dick Wolf references. And uh, Christopher, this total, total you know, just idiot of a, of a mobster Italian goes, yeah, uh-huh. yeah. I, I've seen that show, uh, a law and order SUV. And they're always, <laughs> they're just always getting the titles, uh, of things wrong and mixing them up. And I can't remember what we were talking about, but there was something like that that happened in the, in the movie as well. In this movie. I, I don't recall what it was, but Mark Ruffalo, what's Mark Ruffalo's apex mountain. Is it Avengers in game specifically, or is it spotlight? In which he was nominated for an Academy Award. Yeah, that's a tough I think one to call. Game. It's it's got to be Avengers just because of how many people watched. But from an right. artistic it, achievement, would be probably Spotlight. Yeah, but like so, I mean, Avengers Endgame did. It's the number one grossing movie in all time mm-hmm. uh, at the box office, and he was basically the star of the movie. Yeah. I mean, he he's the one who drove a lot of the plot and it, yeah. Spotlight. He was best supporting actor. Um, he has a tremendous overacting scene in Spotlight where he yells, "They knew, they all knew about it," and he's you know bitching about the Catholic Church in Boston or whatever. Right. Um, I, I think it's Endgame. I think Mark Ruffalo's Apex Mountain is Endgame, which is kind of crazy to say, comic book mountain for or a comic book movie for somebody who is a serious actor. Uh-huh. But I think that's it. Well, you haven't seen uh, Now You See Me, so I don't want to... <laughs> well, yeah, we'll see. And it's, what, it's, see. it's one of those movies that's literally less believable than The Dentist. I mean, there's just so many... So, so much stuff. So much, so much stuff you have to just... Like and Jesse Eisenberg's in that too, I think. And there's just so much stuff that uh, would be so impossible to pull off and they don't... Every once in a while, they give you like a how it could have happened, but they're pulling off these insane stunts all the time to try to, you know, fight this evil network of people. Um, but I would, I would agree with you. I, um, I don't know, but maybe, there, maybe spotlight just from an acting perspective, but whatever. It, there is, I, I do have one thing that reached Apex Mountain in The Dentist, finger sucking. Okay, I, I will give you that. This, this movie is finger sucking's Apex Mountain, for sure. Yeah. I don't know, I was on Pornhub yesterday and there was... <laughs> <laughs> There are two scenes of finger sucking in this movie. Yeah. One of them is at the beginning when Finestone sees Brooke with Matt, the pool guy, mm-hmm. and he's got all that oil all over his fingers right. and she's sucking his fingers. Right. I don't was, is that a four, three watch thing that, that you have? No, to no, 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 you, no. I definitely saw that on the first time. You caught that. Yeah, and then I, thought it was, I thought it was barbecue sauce. I was trying to decide what they, <laughs> what they used for that to make it, make her be able to do that. 
But then there's the really erotic one that we probably we all thought about too. The April rain scene where not only is she sucking his finger, he is literally like <laughs> oh, yeah. pushing his finger into her mouth and out. I mean, it's like, and doing it like with the curiosity that like a 13 year old would have, like, just like, what is this? And, and in and out, it's, it's, it's disgusting. It's utterly disgusting how she's doing this. It's very uh, backseat of the car as a 13-year-old, kind of like uh, just like a big oaf. Just, uh, <laughs> But it was like, uh, yeah, she was, um, she was into it for the moment, apparently. I don't know. She was like the, the nitrous had her like uh, she, was an, she was actively engaged in it for God, for, just for dramatic effect, obviously, uh, that, so they could have this, uh, this visualization of uh, fornication in there. But uh, if, if Lenny from Of Mice and Men <laughs> was, was just getting his finger sucked, that was, that was my <laughs> reference. This is what the reaction would be. It is so bad, uh, the, the finger sucking. What about blood splatter? Is this uh, blood splatter's finger sucking? Or could you, <laughs> is this blood splatter's apex mountain? No, there's been there's been I mean so many I think horror it's movies. Dexter, that, probably. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Dexter, like the whole show is based off of that. Right. In this, there's like um granted the pool guy bled so much <laughs> when, when the he, entire when backyard <laughs> when he stabbed the pool guy, I mean there was so much blood that came off that knife instantly. Right. That that scene was like, oh my god. Yeah, and there was there was blood splatter everywhere. Uh, and he uh, ended up that. he ended up bleeding enough for an entire family because it was um and by the way, we haven't talked about the cops yet. The black cop in this is uh, is yeah. We're going to get into the cops. It's, it's there's like there's Samuel L. Jackson, Lawrence Fishburne. <laughs> Too bad they weren't in the game, or they couldn't get them to do some of these deliver some of these lines. But it was dripping down like the side of the yard, like a close to eighty, a hundred yards from where he was killed. And then somehow there was the perfect handprint of blood that looked like when the kids do the Thanksgiving turkey and they put their hand down and <laughs> draw around. It's just this perfect. It's not smudged at all, or it's not like he was grasping at the wall or anything. It's just this perfect handprint, like it's a gang symbol where they where they walk in and they see this. So I was not impressed with the blood work. Um, it, it, not great, but yeah, it was not there, great. But- we'll we'll get into the cops in just a second. So um, heat check performance, and so what I mean by heat check, heat check's a basketball term where it's like. A heat check guy is a guy who always comes in off the bench and he's not afraid to just shoot six times in the first 30 seconds he's in the game just to see if he's in the zone. So like Jamal Crawford is a famous heat check guy. Deion Waiters is a famous heat check guy. These are guys that just come in and they're not afraid to throw up throw up shots and, and see if they go in. And so um, a, a heat check performance to me is, is like Ruffalo. He's just coming in hot. Like he's just trying to get as much as he can in the time he's on screen. Uh, and, and that's a, a, a huge heat check performance. He weirdly hits on the teenager in the waiting room. It's really odd, making her do the fashion show catwalk in the waiting room. The sweater over the shoulder look, which we talked about a little bit. Um, and and it, this is a question for Mike, who practiced in the LA area. Is this a typical LA dental experience where a manager brings in like a young, attractive female? Does this happen in LA? In dental offices? Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, yeah, the better ones. Um, not better in terms of dentistry, but, um, you know, just all you have to do is remember, like, uh, not just, you know, like Bill Dorfman's office, but what Discus Dental used to have at dental shows. Do you remember how they used to hire local models to work their booth? Josh? I, I, that was probably before that's your before time. my days. Oh, yeah. Really? No, I mean, it, it's, it, yeah, Lance, you remember that, right? Oh, yeah. I mean, <laughs> it was a scene. It was a 
uh-huh. scene and they all were wearing like tight t-shirts. I, for a while it was bite me when they came out with their impression material, but uh-huh. these girls were not behind the desk. They were out in the hallway. They were out in the aisles, I should say. And, um, you should have seen the male donnas just stop. I mean, all they had to do is pay them half a second of attention. And it was, you know, it made the care credit, you know, build a bear giveaway look like nothing when, <laughs> when they did this. And so, yes, that's an LA thing. I know classmates who have hired um, that way for the front office. I mean, ultimately, I don't know if it's a formula for, uh, for success. I'd rather somebody who made great temporaries really quickly and a hygienist that can hit a block on the first time so I can prep the teeth afterwards. So I, I tend to think looks are probably a little bit over overrated in the office, but I, I just don't think Ruffalo's uh, heat index is as good as the IRS. Because the IRS, IRS agent, the next guy. He's um he's just as pervy, if not more, than Ruffalo. He's homophobic. Um, he's just downright sarcastic and a mean, mean person who cares about a total narcissist. Uh, so I don't know. I feel like he really hits on all those fronts. Ruffalo has his moments, but he he doesn't offend like every group of people who watch, uh, you know, any who watch the movie. So the IRS agent, uh, his name is Earl Bowen, uh, B-O-E-N. He uh, is famous for playing uh, criminal psychologist Peter Silberman in the Terminator series. Um, but he was also in Naked Gun 33 and a third, um, which is probably where I remember him from first. I mean, he's one of these guys, his IMDP is, is because he's been working forever. Um, his IMDP is pages long. He's been working since, since the seventies. Um, yeah, he, he, uh, tries to grease Sarah the teenager, which was just unreal. Um, and like, if, if you were auditing somebody, if you're an IRS agent, you're auditing somebody, would you let the person who you're audit, auditing work on your teeth? Like it, it, that thought process is, is out of this world. And he, he says multiple times, like he absolutely wants uh, some free dentistry in exchange for him not telling his supervisor about any of this. Yeah. And, the, and trying to shake down. Right. And again, it's, it's not like, um, it's not like this guy owns his own uh, gardening business or car wash. I mean, he's a federal government employee for the IRS. He can't, they have the, ta- what is he the only one who's seen this guy's tax returns? I mean, it's, it's crazy to me that he it's crazy that they would think that this is a bartering you know situation he should be getting paid by the dentist and saying you know you don't have to pay the rs you can pay me directly but instead um they don't do that but but you reminded me just of one of the great um ruffalo moments um in the waiting room he says something about um we all got to have our secret dreams or something like that he says to the girl which is super uh, creepy and uh, I really love, this is a very time and place 1996 when he pulls out his business card. It's obviously done on an inkjet printer. And this was yes. right when printers came out. And for once you could actually do, um, you, you could actually do your own like business cards, but they had the perforations around the edge when you tore them apart. So they looked awful. So he's got his, they didn't even have professionally made business cards in this movie. He just has an inkjet card. And I thought that was really great as a kind of a touchstone of 1996 when finally everybody had a printer. It, it, the card, it was just a white card with black print on yeah. it. I mean, it was like, it, it reminded me of that scene from American Psycho where they're com- comparing the business cards, right? And nobody can tell the difference between any of them when they show them. It was just black, you know, black times Roman on on a white card, and uh, and and just out there. That yeah, the, Mar of the IRS agent is just off the charts in this. He is the best. The black cop gives some good lines off too. <laughs> we'll get into the black okay. cop in just a minute. Best lines. Uh, so I'll just I'll I'll read the ones that I have. If you guys want to add anything, you can. Um, I, this one's my favorite. I'm going to do it first. I am a dentist. 
And this is my wife, you filthy piece of shit! Please, please. Do you know what that means? It means that she has got a perfect bite. Come on, hon. Show him how good your teeth are. Show him how good your teeth are. Uh, just absolutely spectacular. But it's only good in the context that he was... In the context He was of it. trying to get her to bite his member off. That's what that's all about, yes. right? I am an instrument of perfection and hygiene. The enemy of decay and corruption. A dentist. And I have a lot of work to do. And I have a lot of work to do. Oh. Again, you know, the writer felt like every so happy. reference to decay that he could work in there as moral decay, as opposed to tooth decay, really patting himself on the back, I think, for all those references. Jessica, the assistant, we've talked about this line multiple times. Doctor, what were you doing using that donut for? You were destroying that woman's tooth. You were destroying that woman's tooth. So great, the donut burr. Uh, I gotta give me some of those. Yeah, well, I need I need a donut burr. That's uh, that's the missing piece of the reverse crown prep technique. Exactly. Technique. It, it would be a really quick way to do the occlusal reduction. Yes, because that's basically what he does. Right. He just stabs at it until the occlusal reduction is done. Um, the IRS agent says, "One of those chicks abroad really know how to do the deed, don't they, Doc?" Which again is just, this guy's going to be working in your mouth, and you're talking about how good his wife is um, in the bedroom. Uh, probably not not a good thing. We've talked about the sales rep um, that just wanders in on the worst day of this guy's life. Like, hey, just checking in on you. I'm your new rep. You need anything? Right. And the front office person's instantly in love. Yes, instantly. In and love. There's there's something that happens there that I'm going to bring up in a minute that was a four three watch. Thing. Well, this is my fi- yeah. Well, this is my favorite line comes from this scene. Okay, I bet I know what well, it is. Of course you do. Of course. Okay, you want me to <laughs> you want me to save it then? Okay, I'll save it then. But uh... hey, you hear it all the time. Every dentist has a screamer or two for a patient. <laughs> So, so, but I, I like how he says, "Hey, you hear it all the time. Every dentist has a screamer to as a patient." Yeah, I, I mean, that, I love that this guy is going to all the different offices in LA and and just screaming patients everywhere. Well, that's the kind of slack I want from my Patterson or Shine rep <laughs> to say in earshot of other people in the waiting room, "Hey, every dentist has a screamer too. This isn't his fault." That that's I want I want somebody who's got my back. You right want there. that kind of support, yeah, yeah, yeah. right? So go ahead and hit your line because I know what it is and it's great. Well, there's a there, he has another one where he says, um, "You don't know what it's like the discipline, the long hours." And I'm thinking like 28 of them. He probably works like he probably takes Fridays off. You don't know what it's like the discipline, the long hours, the lack of respect in a world that goes on ignoring dental hygiene. Now that's a hygienist, you know, who would say that they uh, they're only working four days a week too. But I love the long the long hours. But so he starts so. Um, Matthew Ziegler from Estrada Dental Supply Company <laughs> walks in walks in the door unannounced. And this is the one office in America where he's welcomed with open arms <laughs> instead of Jack yeah, Candy, the front desk is is thrilled to see him. Oh, she she instantly is um excited by uh excited by his presence, she just falls in love with him. And um the line that he says to her is <laughs> Candy. Candy, you ever had the uh, slippery shrimp at Yang Chow's? 
Have you ever had this slippery <laughs> shrimp at Yang Chow's? And to me, that is the greatest way ever to ask a woman if she is DTF that I've ever heard. <laughs> so but he's even, hitting on he, her, right? Oh, of course. Have you ever had this slippery <laughs> shrimp at Yang Chow's? I mean, it's just like. And she says. She says. Do you remember? No, of course. Her answer to that question is. Not this week. Not this week. <laughs> So yeah, I effed the Patterson and Shine guy two and three weeks ago, respectively. But this week, no, I haven't been asked uh, about the flesh sword. Or what was it? Oh, the slippery shrimp. <laughs> the slippery shrimp. Yeah, the uh, trouser eels. The whatever. <laughs> I mean, they just had to look. These, and then it's just so racist. Yang Chow's? I mean, there's probably a restaurant like that somewhere. But the slippery shrimp at Yang Chow's line of the movie. I mean, I just thought that was incredible. That I, I didn't catch that till like the second rewatch um, because there was a, there's a lot going on at that time in the movie. I laughed out loud. Literally, I texted you with one of them. And that was the one I texted you where I la- you don't laugh out loud very often when you're sitting alone. But it was involuntary and it was a, lar- it was a, a large ha. And uh, I could not I could not believe that. And uh, that was another thing that I will be saying a lot. Asking people if they tried the slipper. <laughs> I can't. The alliteration is so tough to get it out as a line to say. How many takes hey, over under on number of takes that it took to get that scene? You know, I was doing delivery during COVID-19. I, have you ever had the slippery shrimp from Yang Chow's? Yang Chow's. What, what me? So some young guy. What was that line taken? <laughs> Jesus. It was just insane that they, they would say that. I mean, it's just, <laughs> but it was 1996. I guess you could get away with that. Uh, Fine Stone saying, "Get your tongue out of the way! Get it out of the way! God damn it! Get your tongue out of the way! Get it out of the way! God damn it! It's just that's so cathartic. We've all been Again, there. That was perfect. Uh, multiple times. Uh, Fine Stone saying, it's horrible, isn't it? The discoloration, the periodontal deterioration, the smell." We deal with this every day. And we clean it up. The filth they make. They hate us for it. Yeah, he, um, to Lance's point earlier, he didn't talk to any dentist because I could see from an outsider point of view had this would be the thing you think that would drive Dennis crazy. Again, this is something that might drive a hygienist crazy. We don't have to see... You know, when that person you just described there probably needs four or five crowns, and we're pretty happy about it, you know. And yeah. uh, hopefully, you know, they take, have bad enough uh, home care. Well, they'll need them replaced after five years, and we don't have to do much of the prep but clean up at the margins. This isn't what – they didn't even touch on post-operative sensitivity yes. or patients not paying their bills or not being able to find the fourth canal. Like the real frustrations of dentists are yeah, never – Or, or an assistant that calls in sick at least once a week because of her kids or something like that, right? Like that's really the, the stuff yeah, – a team member asking for a raise, you know, all all those sorts of, of things. During a pandemic. Yes, exactly. And let's not, I don't know. I feel like um, this is, I think, um, who says, who says, why would he want to shoot a dog? That's the two cops talking, right? That's the two cops. Okay. Right. Yeah. And then, and then something like, uh, you know, Dennis are into some crazy stuff or whatever. No, no. He, he says, why, why would he want to shoot a dog? So when they, when they try to figure out that maybe Corbin Bernson's the one who shot the neighbor's dog, which goes to attack him. When he goes to see with the pool guy, Matt, who had a real apex mountain with this movie as well. Unless you can tell me something better he did. Uh, but when he, no, this is, this is when it. he goes back to see what Matt and the neighbor woman 
uh, are doing. And of course, it was something sexual. The dog runs at him and he slams the gate and then the gate you know, pops back open again and the dog chases him and he turns around and shoots the dog. And when they figure out it might have been him because they find the bullet in the stucco of the house. I mean, it's, it's silly, but the one cop, the, the dumb white one, Officer Sunshine, says, why would he want to shoot a dog? And the black cop says, because he's a dentist. They're capable of anything. <laughs> and then he tags it with the big stereotype that you knew was coming somewhere. It's coming. Did you know Dennis had the highest rate of suicide? He tags it with that. Because he's a dentist, they're capable of anything. I find exactly the opposite to be true. <laughs> yes, I, I'm not yeah. capable of almost nothing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I'm trying to figure out how to open uh, or a hygienist or you know open uh, late on Thursdays. There's a lot of things that I think maybe today. I can't even take a PA in my office alone. Like I, I need an assistant for that. Much like murdering a dog and or murdering multiple people, I'm not capable. Of that. Exactly, exactly. And there is the. By the way, that's one. The only thing they get right uh, was um, well, they got part of it wrong, but they got one thing right when he was going in to see April Rain as a patient. He walks over to the x-ray box. So they get this wrong. He turns on what looks like a curing light. It's so blue. And I'm like, oh, my God, there's a curing light in that x-ray box. And the x-rays are there. And he looks at it. And it's really the only accurate line of the movie. He goes, there's a shadow on number 31. And I'm like, okay, somebody talked to a dentist and at least learned what a lower molar might be. And he says there's a shadow on number 31. And so that was accurate. But it's immediately followed by a nonsensical line where the hygienist says, yes, doctor, there is some abrasion on the lingual at the gum line. (laughs) Oh, and that's showing up on an x-ray? Abrasion? At the gum line on the lingual? On the lingual. Showing up on yeah. the x-ray. That's the shadow you're saying through the entire... You're not seeing an interproximal lesion. So the only... Um, they must have gotten that line from a dentist about, yeah, that's something we'd say there's a shadow on 31. Then he must have heard the word abrasion, lingual, and gum line and just decided to like mad lib style, put, oh, him, yeah, put him into a yeah. sentence. Yeah. Th- those were all great. I, why was the detective's name Sunshine? Like... You can make it anything. What? That's his name in this Detective Sunshine. That's his last name. Why did Trump call a reporter cutie pie a week and a half ago? It's, uh, ho- I don't know. It's kind of a homoerotic thing, I think. I don't know. So bad. Uh, the, uh, the Sunshine Act? No, that wasn't around then. <laughs> uh, let's see. Uh, when he's chasing down Sarah. Sarah! You can't hide! Hide from your dentist. I have plenty of patients that's hide from me. They all owe me money. They all no-show their appointments. Uh, I think it's pretty easy to hide from your dentist. Yeah, we're not private investigators. I, mean, I, don't, know what, I don't know where this uh, ability to track... You know, I still know a lot of dentists who can't order food through DoorDash. You know, de- de- dentists my age. And somehow they're tracking people. Oh, another great line was... Uh, and this is just so on the nose. It's just ridiculous. Was um, when April Rain, he's getting ready to work on her. And uh, she reaches over and just grabs his nuts and says, yes. I won't hurt you if you don't hurt me. I mean, not, again, it's just like, oh, God. So on the nose. Just so just every stereotype of, you know, I, I'm, I'm surprised a patient didn't walk in and say, I'd rather have a baby. I'd rather go through childbirth than be here. Sure. You know, they just took like the most stereotypical things they could think of a patient's doing. At, at least once a week, I'll have a patient say, you know, uh, I'll, It'll be after we've anesthetized and it's time to start working. I'll say, hey, you know, if you feel anything, let me know. And they're like, oh, yeah, I'll be sure to hit you in the face or whatever. And it's like, you're not the first one to say this. And so I always tell them, like, no, just hit her. Like, that's what I have her right. here for. Like, abuse this woman instead. Um, and and and, uh, and they tend to laugh at, at the idea of, of hitting a woman. Uh, so I want to... 
do do people say that to female dentists? Uh, I don't think they do. No, they 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 know they're too. Good. Do you think like Joyce Bassett gets that from some asshole patient in Phoenix? No, no, I think they're seen as more um, kept, more tender as, and uh, as yeah. men. But uh, you know, I, I used to watch. I used to go during dental school and watch my dad practice, and that was really it was fun. And his version of that would have been. Uh, Hey, let me know if you feel anything and I'll go right ahead and tell you that it's almost that we're almost done. You know, I no, I won't stop or even slow. I slow down. I might speed up, but let me know if anything's hurting so I can tell you that we're almost done, even though we're not, even though I just broke the mesial contact on a crown print. <laughs> uh, when he goes to the dental school, there's a couple of great lines that are within like 20 seconds of each other. Pain is an abstract emotion. It has to be managed, shaped and disregarded as a distraction. Which is what your dad did. That's that's basically what you're telling me. Yeah, oh, he never got that heavy. He he never <laughs> he never got existential about it and tried to uh, explain it away like that. He was just from an era where they just they pushed through. You know, it was uh it was it was gonna hurt and they were gonna they were gonna keep going and it didn't matter. What have we got here? Oh, a pulsating gum, a vial, an infected pulsating gum, just ready and waiting for Lansing. I want a second opinion. Yeah. Oh, Lance. You, you, Lance, you got to. Name you've check. got to get after that uh, pulsating gum. That's uh, that's a typical Thursday. <laughs> and this is apex mountain mountain for pulsating gum. That's right. Well, and pulsating gum is uh, another knot at slippery shrimp. Those are both. Uh, <laughs> these are both innuendos. Uh, I did like how um, he drove, you know, full speed from his practice to the dental school. And his, with, gloves with his on. gloves on. Yeah, that was uh, that, that was really good because uh, why waste? That's that's COVID adjacent, though. I see people driving with gloves and, and masks half on all the time now. The crazy thing about this movie for 1996, they were insanely mask compliant. Everybody had masks on. Everybody, I see dentists all the time where it's tied around their neck and it's only around their mouth. I was at CVS the other day picking up something. And the um, at the pharmacy, and they have this huge. It's not plexiglass, but it's see through vinyl. The entire pharmacy is covered, and this girl has a, the who's working as an N95 mask on just over her mouth, and her, her nose is still out there. And it's like, but everybody was wearing their. They were properly sized. Where it was the one thing that they really a lot of they nailed yeah that. lots of other OSHA violations, but they were very mask compliant. It was weird. Let's get into some goofs, which we've been doing throughout, but but just a list of other ones that I think we need to bring up. Do you know anybody who wears a full suit to work it as a dentist? I don't. No. My dad used to. He would um he would really? go he would go to the office in a shirt and tie, maybe not a coat, but a shirt and tie, and then he would take them off. And Josh has seen me do this story in my lecture, and he would put on um the Guayamera, like the 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 Cuban elegance thing like the uh button down shirt with the lines on it and the different colors and he'd work in that it was actually great for infection control then he'd take that off at the end of the day although i doubt he laundered it just probably hung it back in the closet or took it home and laundered it with the other with my clothes uh and then he put a shirt and tie on again at the at the end of the day so he used to do that uh i think dorfman i guess but if bill's listening i'm sorry i brought you up twice in this but i <laughs> it was such a you know being in his office the one time i was there sitting in his reception area waiting for him and uh, looking up and seeing lisa kudrow from friends you know sitting across waiting to get her teeth cleaned i was like oh okay this is the real this is the real deal um and then going by while the hygienist was working on her and looking at the two by two was and going oh she has tartar just like i do stars they're just like us and uh, but but he did always have um, a shirt and tie on as well. So he I think he wore a suit to the office and then wore 
but but a, you know a suit is and cufflinks. Did you see where cufflinks? Do you see where his tie changes for no reason? I did. I noticed the tie. The one thing I did see though that that it was the tie clip, like not the tie clip down the tie, but that tie clip up here. That like little. I don't even know what that is. That was very. That was very eighties, nineties. Along with um, the other thing that was big, John, uh, Josh is a. Uh, you remember button tab shirts? So not where their collars go down, but you would actually. So it would bring the knot and pop it up a little bit, and you would you know to do this tab behind it for the knot to be more prominent. But he's wearing a yellow tie when he leaves the house. And then all of a sudden at the office, he has that black and white. I think you called it a Beetlejuice tie. It's a Beetlejuice tie. It's He's wearing a Beetlejuice tie. It's a black and white vertical strap tie. It's the worst tie I've ever seen in my life. It looks like Beetlejuice. Right. Tough look. Um, I think um, one of the goofs was, um, uh, I like when he was taking finally taking out the girls, um, uh, taking her braces off, and he takes out the world's shortest arch wire. So, so he takes everything off and then he takes out an arch wire. It's four, like, yeah, it's this like big. I was like, it's like seven huh, that worked on the whole arch. I was like, that was really lame. Um, the um, hygienist uh, at one point turned off the suction by pressing a button on the air water syringe. Yep. So there's the suction good. sound. She goes, presses the air water syringe and somehow that makes the um, uh, suction turn off. We mentioned the uh, slow speed hand piece, but the high speed sound. Um yeah, those were the the couple that I that I saw that were big ones. But there's lots of other there nitrous were, ones. Lance mentioned the nitrous ones before. Lance, if you're running late to the office, how long does it take before they call you? Before somebody from your office calls you? Does that ever happen? That never happens because I'm always there about an hour before everybody. So if I'm not there, they're calling me yes. instantly because I'm, yes, I'm dead. Exactly. I'm down the side of the road. So They've got patients that are bitching and moaning here uh-huh. about not getting seen. The first patient's been waiting like for an hour. He's left. Uh-huh. And finally, Candy, the front desk, is just like, I'm calling him. Like, why didn't you call him an hour ago when he yeah. wasn't there? Yeah. And he opens his center divider and With enters his car phone. You know, car phone. very, a huge very 1996. A yeah. huge car phone. I think at that point he was already two hours late. Yes. Mm-hmm. Because he had that's, already. That's about right. Yeah. He had already, um, you know, killed a few things. So that set him back. His the 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 cut on his suit pants were, were pretty nineties ish, um, very big billowing cut. It was a very nineties cut suit. I don't know if you remember those days of like kind of big fitting clothing, ill fitting clothing. Can't touch I would this? think got a little MC Hammer action there. A little bit, yeah. yeah, yeah, a little bit. I mean, now like I like a I like a pretty trim cut suit, okay. and sometimes like my 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 suit pants will get stuck on my calf muscle and right up. So I have to like pull them down. There was none of that here. I mean, you, his, he could move his whole entire leg throughout the suit. Well, I'm going to take a little pride and probably along with Lance that we did not notice that. <laughs> but now that you mention it, yeah, pleats were a big thing, you know, yeah. back then as well. And I know you quadzilla have problems with your pants being able to ride up and down. Now that you got your Peloton bike, that your pants can't, you've got such chiseled quads, these pistons of yours that the pants won't move up and down. But yeah, going back to flat front front pants like we have now was was definitely a move um, away from that. A lot of suspenders. He was a suspenders guy. Oh yeah, a lot of yeah. You, you know, that, again, that's just a that's a Pete Donister bust thing in my book. <laughs> like the bow tie, that's Pete Donister bust, and and I feel the same way about the suspenders. When he finally gets to work two hours late. First thing he does is call his wife, who he can't stand again. And she realizes, you know, I think she's lotioning her body that he's losing it. And she tells him to take one pill. But meanwhile, he's already opened a drawer and there's six bottles of pills in there. Which one? Does it even matter? <laughs> and he takes he takes a handful of them. I mean, it's it's Karen, the hygienist, walks in and he's trying to, to take 
uh, these pills and he literally has a whole bottle full. Yeah, that's a great he, scene as he spits them back into his mouth and then and then hides them from her. And she's like, what's the matter? But very, very naively. But I do have this written down as Finestone's drug drawer. And I wanted to make like a dentist taking too many pills joke, but I think it's a, a little too on the nose. <laughs> well, no, he had a, far, a small pharmacy in there. And the funny part was she was in, she was like, take, you know, one pill. And it's like, what? Hydrochloroquine? What, what do you want me to? What, what exact? What's the one pill? Oh, the pill? Don't you take that, honey? The, the pill. pill. Um, when he, when they bring in Jody's uh, tray for the profi, there there's a, like a hand, a slow speed handpiece, a mirror and explorer, and then just a huge tube of Crest toothpaste. Like that's what, like that's the profi paste or something that's on the kit. Like just home, you know, home consumer grade. Uh, toothpaste is what we use all the time. Uh, there, There is a lot of walking around with dirty gloves all over the office. Right. Oh, yeah. There's a lot of that. And he gets bloody hands on a lot of different stuff. Um, I do like um, one thing where I, you know, in, I mean, it seems kind of obvious, but I can't remember which patient it is, Josh. If it's, it might be the ortho patient who, to get away, hit, hits the overhead light and it swings over and yes. hits him on the head. I'm like, I've bumped my head on that thing a I've million a times. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> And I'm like, well, it's pretty resourceful on her part to realize that the overhead light is uh, a weapon, weapon that typically will come in contact with a dentist. It's the dentist's natural exactly. predator, the overhead light. Yeah. Um, <laughs> this, there was a storyline that they try to introduce that goes nowhere. And that's the the one black detective has a toothache. Yes. Which you think like, oh, this is going to end up with him like making an appointment or whatever, trying to have him fix. And then it just never goes anywhere. Yeah, the foreshadowing they, with no end. Nothing. There's just nothing just there. Reference twice. Uh, we found the script online. Uh, it's 31 pages. I, I thought this can't be all of it. That might, you must just get the first 31 pages for free and you have to buy the next 60. But that that was it. And obviously it's just in like single space form. But um, yeah, it never pays off. And what would have been better than to have the cop kind of, you know, be the one to kind of turn this around or at least be in the office to kind of see this happening because of a right. toothache or decide to go undercover and then start to get tortured. But it, it, it never pays off. It's bizarre that he keeps having this, you know, issue with his molar. Uh, but, but he actually, doesn't he make a comment that he won't, he doesn't want to go. Oh, he's, he'd rather live with the pain is, is one of the lines. Yeah. I'd rather live with the pain. And he does. Um, there is a line about, um, Dennis being like cops, which I had never thought of before. You know, we're a necessary. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He says, um, oh, actually, that's right before uh, I have this written down, Josh, and I can't remember what it means. Oh, I know what it is now. He says, I'm a fruit man myself. <laughs> He's talking about breakfast to the dentist, <laughs> right? Yeah, they're just yeah. they're discussing like uh, a casual conversation about breakfast. And then he says, you're a dentist, right? That's a little like a cop, a necessary evil. Oh, that's when he's in his house. That's right. He's talking to him. Yeah, it's house. when the cops are in the house and Brooke is is tied to a pull chair. Um, and she's uh, she's been drugged because they do show, they show the countertop. And on the countertop is a big pile of pills. And? And then two empty jars, oh. which I had to rewatch four baby times. Baby It was baby right. food. That I guess he fed her baby food because he, he took out all her teeth. And multiple times, they do show Brooke um, after having all this trauma done. Um, and it really just looks like she got too much filler put into her lips. So looking at it now, it's like, oh, it's not so bad. Because we're kind of used to seeing women that look like that a lot. Yeah, it's... Um... It's a funny look where when you see it for the first time, you do think, oh, it's just she's got trout pout. It's just it's it's yeah. botched plastic surgery. And then they have to go in a little closer 
till you till you see that. Did you notice that um, on the way? Oh, the, you know, this was as disgusting as the finger sucking in my book. But on the way out of the house, the cop tastes the baby food. Did you see him dip his finger in there and taste it? I did. I did not. Oh, I, did. Wow. I did not notice what that. What the hell was that? How does he know if the medication's in there or not? Why would you just look at the label? It's like when a patient brings a, you know, so they break off a little piece of a crown and they go, I think I broke one of my crowns or veneers and they hand it to you like you're going to be able to sniff it. Or or you're just, yeah, 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 like you'll yeah, be able yeah. to identify what it is. He sticks his finger in there and tastes it. It, it was really well, weird. Know, it was, oh, it's the, know, third, it's the third finger suck, really, when you get right down to it, Josh. It's it self sucking. It's it's uh, he's a fruit man, so you know maybe it was fruit flavored baby food. Well, you'll see that when you watch it, rewatch it for the fifth time. Um, I too lo- is that the only time that a black man has said the words "I'm a fruit man" myself? <laughs> I think it may be in the history of mankind. That's the first time an African American has ever said those words. Yeah, the Blues Brothers had "I'm a soul man." Um, <laughs> you know, I'm a booty man. You know, whatever. But I'm a fruit man. I'm a fruit man. I don't know about that. There were no computers anywhere in the office. I don't know if you guys picked that up. Yeah. Well, it was 96. and uh, Yeah. So in 96, what percentage of dental offices had computers, do you think? Not even in the operatories, just in the office in general. I wasn't around, so I don't know. My dad uh, computerized in 86. So there, there oh, could, wow. had that been a real, but it was just not in the operatories or anything. It was just up front. It was just, it, was it wasn't, yeah, it didn't have charting. It was just started with uh, financial stuff for statements and stuff like that. Um, yeah. My office, I bought the practice 98 and they had uh, amber screen monitors in the front and, and just the two up, up front. No server, no anything like that. Just two, uh, two computers, but the, Barely. So it's possible you could have had an office in 96 that wasn't computerized. Anymore. Yeah, yeah. And they, they only recently switched from their pegboard scheduling on up with a pencil. Uh, I mean, it was it was the biggest shit show that I didn't realize I bought until it was too late. And all the appointments back then were outbound calls, calling yeah. Mrs. Jones and letting her know she needs to come in for a filling. She's just coming in. Exactly. Um, Apparently, there was no schedule at the office because nothing was ever on schedule at any time that I ever saw. Yeah, and, and if we're going to split hairs about how real this, this movie was because they didn't have computers in there, <laughs> that's the least of, what, we're gonna be the least of what was going on there. We have to talk about the, the rooms a little bit more. We talked about them a little bit, but there are four operatories. How gargantuan um, they are? Yeah. Well, the, yeah, they're, the, so they're all, but they're all connected together, which is weird. I don't know if you guys noticed that during the scene where he's chasing Sarah around. Um, they're going from operatory to operatory. So there's like multiple doorsway, doorways in each operatory. Operatory one is the heaven room. That's the one where she's wearing the, the choir outfit. Seven minutes in um, heaven. That's right. Seven minutes in heaven. And that's what April Rains got when she was in the, the heaven room. Operatory two is the rainforest room. So in that room, um, they did um, uh, the the Hawaiian show. Right. With the fake. Then Optory, yeah, the Optory 3 was the one that was hard to to figure out. It wasn't really featured much in it. It's like a music room and or an Elvis room. I saw, I, I, I looked in the script. It's officially called the rape room is what they meant. <laughs> That's what they decided to go with. The assistant in that room wore like a, um, I don't even know what it would be like, but it would be like like a satin jacket from Greece or something like that that had a musical note on it. Is what they were in that one, and then there was, of course, 
the piece de resistance, operatory for La Scala with the horrible old dental chair. But it is the marriage of technology and tradition. tradition yeah. So those are the four operatories. So I'm going to do a full... Um, I really would consider redoing my office to match this office if this movie were more in the zeitgeist and people would actually recognize it. Um, because it's just... God, it's so good. It's so good. Um, I feel like you'd have better luck doing like um, maybe a... Um, Spurs room and a Rangers yeah. room. I wouldn't do an Astros room. That doesn't feel right. That's just a big metal track. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's how your assistant looks. <laughs> you know, patient's ready. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, or you could do like uh, your favorite, you know, baseball team. I-, I like the idea of thematically doing it. And please Google the Hello Kitty guy because it's going to blow you away what uh, what they were able to do there. So I kind of like that, especially if it's something that would attract people from you know, around the world, like the, like the Hello Kitty one. But otherwise... Uh, may- Lance could do a really great one. You could do like a Nirvana room. You could do a Pearl Jam room. You could do a... Um, I, I don't know what a... Um, who am I? Alice in Chains. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, who is uh, Chris Cornell? What band Soundgarden. Is that? Soundgarden. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, you could do all that. And then you could have just the rest in peace Sonic. Wait, room. is this a dead rock? Is this a dead rock star? What's the theme? What's <laughs> yes. the theme of this practice? Yeah. Seattle rock. Oh, stars. Seattle rock stars. Dead Seattle. Yeah. yeah. Mud Honey. Yeah. Uh-huh. The Melvins. Yeah, I think uh, I like this idea of uh, alternative rock practice. That's a theme. Uh, I think people could probably connect to that. I guess they would in Seattle. But uh, yeah, 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 I don't know what else besides Hello Kitty. I guess if you somehow got George Lucas to do like Star Wars with you or something like that, you could theme it that way. Yeah, that'd be great. Mm -hmm. You do Harry Potter. Yeah. Yeah, You could do Game of Thrones. You could do any of those kind of franchises like that, I think think would work. Adam Um, and Eve. What's the... (laughs) The podcast sponsor, not the biblical parrot. <laughs> Either way, Sorry, it works, actually. Ashley Madison. <laughs> yes. Um, did you notice that when Paula was getting in a block, that he was delivering Paula's block on the lingual of tooth number 18, and he just and it went from a metal syringe to a plastic syringe? Yeah. Um, and, and he was using Mike's, Mike Totola's dad's anesthetic technique, where you just jam the plunger in as fast as you possibly can. How did he not hit bone? He was he was going on he was going on the lingual gingiva like right at the tooth. This was where the block was, and and yeah. somehow he gets like a twenty seven gauge. He although, that I don't know how he did that. He like pushed it through the bone, and then he starts prepping, and there's zero aerosol. It's it's like, yeah, it's the perfect post COVID nineteen uh, preparation. Oh, that was the um, the close up of the burr where it looks like a ty- child's yeah. top or some kind of woodworking, yeah. and uh, that's yeah. the donut. Yeah, that is the donut burr. And I like his response when she says, uh, "What were you doing using that donut burr? You're destroying the patient's tooth." And he yells, "Oh, this is a good overacting moment." And he yells, "Don't you think I know what my patients want? <laughs> they want the donut burr. Well, they're they're requesting burr shapes now and and occlusal reduction. Don't you think I know what my patients want?" Was just a ridiculous nonsensical line it should have been don't you think i know best you've never prepped a tooth bitch you know right. instead of like yeah. don't you think i know what my patients want it was just that should be in your in your deal because you talk a lot about like how under under preparing a tooth serves no one you know and you, we think that's like oh that's being more conservative but it's actually not this should be kind of part of what you show like patients don't know what they want because if you explain it to a patient, it's like, oh, remove less tooth. But like, they don't understand that that means jeopardizing their Right. Body. Like, I, I could take one of your patients, Josh, and show them on the x-ray. And I go, see how I've extended the gutta percha four millimeters past the apex? This makes sure there's no reinfection on the root canal. They go, oh, sweet. Thank you. I wish you would have gone five millimeters out the apex. <laughs> yeah, they don't yeah, know. You've no, got no, and you can tell right. me. Right. Um, 
And do you remember when Paula was, uh, what really set him off with Paula, the neighbor was, she says, uh, how'd you like the new pool guy, Matt? He's real good. Like she's having a secret affair with this pool guy, but like, that's the most dirty. <laughs> like She says it in the most porn star way possible. It's really rough. Yeah. Because I mean, how good of a job can a pool guy do? I mean, it's rare you're gushing, you know. Uh, yeah. About how, yeah, you, you kind of, um, you don't even notice. You don't notice they're there until there's a until you know something's not working. Until until the sludge yeah, until the water is brown or something like that. But there, there were multiple times that they showed the pool like that night. The pool guy had been Matt had been there that morning, and the pool that night was there was like a thousand leaves of the pool that night. How good is he? Just, yeah, you know it's, it's they were the size of hubcaps too. They were huge, huge it's leaves. Just the anaconda. Yeah, I don't know what kind of tree was shedding Palm by tree. that, but it was a, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Um, let's see. I have a couple other things. So Candy, the office manager is quick to tell the, the supplies guy that does she all does all the ordering <laughs> for the office. That is really good. How many office managers do you know that do the supply? Order? Right, right, right. Who know what type of composite you like to use and whether it should be a universal or a microfill and what kind of cement you use when. What shades, yeah, exactly. yeah what shades you use the most. How many and- donut burrs to order? <laughs> Right. How how are you going to know how many donut burrs to, to order? Um, the la- This is the thing that I picked up on the 4-3 watch. When um, Alan's at the dental school, uh, he, okay. Uh, halluc- okay. Okay, go ahead. He, he hallucinates the hygienist saying, why did you kill me, John? <laughs> His name's Alan. Like, I don't know what, where John came from. Oh, that's from. interesting. I did not catch that. <laughs> that's a deep Oh, watchable. that's interesting. Calls him John. Okay. Wow. Yes. That's um, so let's, let's get into some trivia. One um, other thing uh, in that final scene with, with yeah. where um, he's in the insane asylum and whoever's working on him, they finally find a mouth prop by the end of filming. Yes. But it's between eight, nine, and twenty-four and twenty-five. It's like it's right in the front, <laughs> totally blocking the access. So they finally found a mouth prop, but they put it in the exact wrong place where you would never. The worst place, so right? Bizarre. Yeah. Um, some trivia: the real life serial killer Dennis Glennon Engelman was not the inspiration for the story, but the idea from the the story came from uh, somebody who saw something about it and just took off from that. So. Um, interestingly enough, Corbin Burnson played Dr. Engelman in a TV movie, Beyond Suspicion, in 1993. So this is the second time he's played a murderous dentist, although one is a real-life depiction. and then the- Yes, so Dr. Engelman um, was a killer, but never did anything dentally related. Not to his patient. No, not to, right. not to his patient, yeah. and never, uh, mainly to like ex-wives and other people to get insurance uh, money where he'd taken insurance. He killed his first person in 1954 and killed his last one in 1980. And one of the interesting things was that he always had like a female co-conspirator. And this is when people always say, well, what's the one thing Dr. Engelman has in common with Josh Austin? And this is, you know, anytime I'm asked that, this is the answer I give. They say that Dr. Engelman had a hypnotic way with women and he used to use his sexual power over women to coerce them, you know, into these schemes. And Josh, we know, some say it's the spice bomb. Some say it's 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 just his personality. But basically, what man on the planet has been able to use his sexual power over women? Over when, women is that, yeah, when is that power dynamic gone that way? This guy was truly something special. Forget G.B. Black. Let's start worshiping a dentist who used sexual power to entrance women. That's impressive. We got to we got to know more about this guy. We do. He went to St. Louis University. Um, 
and which I, I believe is shut down since then, right, Mike? I'm not sure if that's why, but yes, that does school. That school <laughs> no longer exists. He killed five people, or he had five counts of capital murder, although it's not known. Uh, I say he went to Washington University School of Dental Medicine, which is in St. Louis. That's what I should have said. He killed. He had five counts of murder. He did three life sentences. He died in 1999. So that's uh, Robert Glennon. Um, back to the movie. Well, can I uh, can the, I bring yeah. up one? Um, yeah. Just uh, um, in in general, I'd like to get a feel from you and Lance. Um, the depiction of dentists in movies, um, you know, it's, it's never really been positive, I guess. You know, we are you guys are you old enough to remember Marathon Man? Lance, you probably, you know, Josh, yeah. have you seen that scene? That yeah. is the safe scene. Uh-huh. Yeah. Then there was Little Shop of Horrors, which for a while, you know, Steve Martin and mm-hmm. then but the one that um, uh, and then Steve Martin did it again in Novocaine in 2001 was the dentist. Where, yep, I've seen that. And one. then, of course, yep. um, Ed Helms in The Hangover. But the one that I had forgotten about till I started researching it was um, in Django Unchained. So, t- oh, yeah. So I had forgotten that uh, Dr. was actually yeah a dentist who quit to be a bounty hunter. And I, I'm hoping there's another dentist who follows in that, in that <laughs> footstep somewhat soon. It may happen now, now yeah. that all of uh, all the dental practices are going to close. That may be what we have to do is go be bounty hunters. I love Christoph Waltz. He's, he's so but amazing. Do we all agree, movie. by the way, your Peloton instructor just walked through in the background, Josh. Um, do we all <laughs> agree that, um, that he is our favorite? De- I mean, not that he depicted being a dentist necessarily, but what? No, but that's the best. Yeah. yeah that's sure. the best performance for sure. Yeah. All right. Back um, the, the dead dog was actually a dead stuffed goat. Uh, they turned the head so that the horns were not visible and put some fake blood on it. There's a lot of fake blood in this movie. Is that um, no? If I asked you, Josh, if I gave you a day and I said uh, I'm going to give you ten thousand dollars, you can either get bring me a dead dog or a dead goat. Don't you think the dog would be way easier? Yeah, I feel like it would be easier. It was the first day of shooting, and they could not find a dead lookalike dog. So they probably could find a dead dog, but they couldn't find a dog that looked like. The dog that. But who shot. had the goat? Were they practicing Santeria across the street? Who? Well, how was it? Yeah, maybe, I mean, available? I guess there's enough. I guess ethnic food places in in L.A. that they were able to to come up with a, a you know go to a shawarma restaurant or whatever. And <laughs> I did have goat for the first time at an Indian restaurant. <laughs> now that you mention it, uh, the budget of the film was so low that when director Brian Yuzna wasn't satisfied with the cabinets in the heaven room or the toys for Jody to play with in the waiting room. The producer was not willing to spend any more money. So he was forced to give his personal credit card to the art department who then went to buy furnishings. And so there you go. I wonder if he's upset about that $18 charge on his credit card. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, I I would have thought for sure that ADEC would have donated the cabinets to be used in this, in this, uh, in the heaven room. Unless they read the script and they went, yeah, Yeah, they're like, yeah, I don't remember the cabinets in the heaven room. Is that a fourth watch thing, or what? Uh, did you want clouds on them? What's gotta be? Yeah, I, I don't, I don't, I don't remember. Maybe that's maybe that's good that we don't remember. Maybe had they been how they were originally, you would remember the horrible cabinets in the heaven. Right? Yeah. Um, I'm glad that Brian Yuzda now understands the dental, like the dental tax that everyone pays, where everything for dentistry is is thirty percent more expensive. I'm I'm glad that this guy now now gets it. There is one deleted scene. The character of Maria, the housekeeper, was featured in it. There's a scene in which she comes to clean the house and finds the pool boy, who I would call a pool man, dying out by the pool where uh, Corbin slashed him. When he tries to get her help, she is scared by his bloody aspect and falls back into the swimming pool and drowns. Oh, 
Well, don't tell, please don't say she was African American. Don't say I, it. Just says oh. Maria, so I don't, it doesn't say. But I think that's a tough look for assuming that the the cleaning lady could not swim. Well, what's interesting is is despite everything else in this movie, that there's actually something that they did actually cut from the movie. Yes. Well, <laughs> was- they had to because the second part of that scene. It turned, Maria was Cuban, and the IRS guy walked by, and he's like, "She swam to get here. Why can't she swim now?" And they're like, "No, IRS guy, that's you have your other racist lines, your Yang Chao uh-huh. line. Pick, you can pick one line. You can pick- yeah." Uh, so they built an oversized mouth to be to film the shots in, uh, and so they only built one, and they changed the teeth out for the different characters. So if you remember, Paula had like some amalgams on eighteen, nineteen, twenty that was different than Jody. Um, and then that was different. But Jody had big freaking teeth, man. For a kid, he had huge teeth. And then uh, who was the other one? Uh, Marv, the uh, IRS agent. So one big oversized mouth. And, and you can actually find pictures of this on IMDb. They have pictures of the oversized mouth, which is, is kind of interesting. You can go look at that. They were, um, yeah, they wanted to just use Tony Robbins, but he wasn't available. So they built their own oversized mouth. Uh, they were um, in love with, Anytime you could see the patient in his uh, in his glasses, the reflection of the patient, or you could see yeah. him in the mirror. Him yeah, in the they, mirror. They were, yeah, they were in love with any time you could they see like a shot. reflection yeah. of something. And it was just, again, like, um, you know, this does not substitute for art, artistic merit. The fact that you happen to see, oh, you can see him in here and I'm, and I'm going to show this. It's just not big deal. I mean, we, James did that all the time when we were filming stuff. You just see that stuff. It's no big deal. Alan Howarth composed the entire score to this movie in one weekend. He also did the final mixing and foley on the movie. Yeah, you can tell that he did this in a weekend. Well, at least he spent twice as long as the writer. I'll give him that. He spent uh, he, he yes, as much time true. into it as the author of the script. Uh, the movie was almost not made because the studio was not happy with the script. It took more than a year when the studio finally gave the movie a green light. In the first version of the script, the movie takes place in one day. Later, events were changed to span to more than two days. Stuart Gordon was hired later on to write a script, and the script was later rewritten. So wow. what you got was the result of a lot of work. This was not the is, rough draft. Right, which is sad. I would wow. like to have seen those earlier. <laughs> yeah, I, um, I would have been just yelling and screaming, are you shitting me? Uh, the one day? This is the best. One day? No, two days, I can believe. And now this is very yeah. feasible. But now it makes sense. Stop, yeah, stop it. The gun Dr. Allen Feinstone uses is a 380 Walther PPK, which is coincidentally the same gun used by James Bond. Mm-hmm. That's James Bond's gun. It it's is. a Walther uh, 380 PPK. I don't think J- did James Pearl Bond handle? was his chromed and have a, a mother of pearl handle. I don't remember what that part. What was the James Bond line in the movie? Uh, there, there is something uh, where, where when they're doing ballistics mm. on, on the gun that this is L.A. How many murders are happening in L.A. every day? They're, the police are, di- are doing ballistics and forensics on the dog being shot, and they're, they and they got that they got that bullet back in less than in like in, in a day, basically. Uh, and that's when he says like, "Oh, uh, it came from a 380. They ran." Uh, a report of all the the 380 owners in the the neighborhood, and they said, "Oh, Doctor Alan Feinstone has a, a 380 Walter PPK." Um, and and the other detective, the black detective, said, "Oh, he's a regular James Bond." So they sort of make allusion to that being James Bond's gun in the movie. They must have thought that was really clever too. While while yes, not explaining sure. that these guys were working on like the K9 division of the LAPD. <laughs> I don't think they ever mentioned LAPD actually, but. 
No, but I mean, it's obviously, I guess it would, would, would Encino be LAPD or do they have their own police? No, I think that would be LAPD. Definitely. Okay. Cause I know like West Hollywood has, has their own police force, right. And they have like the rainbow of, uh, the rainbow sticker on all the police cars. Cause West Hollywood is, is a, uh, is a uh, is a pretty popular gay neighborhood uh, that we went out to eat brunch in uh, in January, uh, which I'm sure was uh, interesting to a lot of anybody who would have noticed us eating at this oh, uh, West Hollywood Bistro. I forgot, yeah. It not only and the funny thing was we were not only at a restaurant in person, but do you remember that square box where there was like um, a game going on? You remember there was there was yes. sports. Remember we were watching? Yeah, there was this thing called it sports. Was like football. Yeah. I think it was a Sunday, and we were watching. We were watching football. It was the Bills and Texans game. Yeah, so we did have brunch in L.A. together. Um, but, in West, but we also had a late dinner at a very very L.A. place where we had uh, yes. sushi, and it was just so L.A. with just like huge fake boobs. And just like yeah, every and just pounding yeah. techno music, yeah, just oh god, it was just so so bad. It was good sushi though, it was and good lips sushi. like the dentist wife. Yeah, the sushi was the sushi yes. was great. But um, while this film was in the planning stages, the Texas Chainsaw Massacre director Toby Hooper was developing his own dentist movie with a more science fiction bent. That project never got off the ground. I would love to know the science fiction dentist movie. Well. Uh, I could see an alien coming down, getting into a dentist body and doing dentistry, but anal probing people at the same time, because that's what aliens do. Um, or maybe, I don't know, maybe a- aliens are fascinated did by you see, um, <laughs> Did you see Invisible Man? Uh, I have not seen it. Is it, I, I do like Elizabeth Moss. Um, and, and that was a, um, oh, what's the name of the, of the company that did that movie? Um, uh, something house. Uh, oh, Blumhouse. Um, Blumhouse. Yeah. yeah, yeah, that's a Blumhouse movie, and those are that's like Get Get Out was a Blumhouse yeah. movie, and Us was a Blumhouse movie. Uh, was it good? Um, yeah, you know, you probably heard Bill Simmons talk to Jason on the on the podcast and yeah. uh, argue with him about the last twenty minutes, which uh, I kind of agree with. But you're able to put on a suit of invisibility. Oh, spoiler alert! Oops, sorry. <laughs> um and so you could you know do that i guess mess with people in a dental office but i don't know how you would have a a, a sci-fi band i would just i, I have an I'd idea just like to see a tv series about a dental office where um just normal stuff yeah happens. he's sleeping with the assistant but married to the hygienist yeah. just all that kind of stuff right. and just getting in fights yeah just drama well so that's a deal like it's really difficult to pull off a good horror movie like if you think about the good horror movies of the last 10 years. I can think of two. I can think of us and get out. Those are really, and I'm not a huge horror movie guy, but those are the ones that have reached kind of certain critical mass to, 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 you know, um, that have, that be honored. And so it's really, really hard to make. A, so I don't think horror is, is the right move for this. Um, if you wanted to do sci-fi, I've always been fascinated with the people that, that claim that they have alien implants in their teeth. Mm-hmm. You know, like you see crazy people like that. So you could maybe make a sci-fi movie where like a dentist finds something like that. And you know, the, the, the CIA or whatever is after him or whatever, you could do something like that, but you're right. Like th- there is absolutely a way to do a drama about this kind of stuff. Like he catches his wife cheating and he's having tax issues and all those sort of things that doesn't have to be a slasher movie. That would have actually been pretty good. Like, yeah, I, th- I feel like that would be a good setting for that. We just need somebody to do it right, you know, and, and have like a technical advisor and talk about this kind of stuff. I'd rather see one where he catches himself cheating, or, or maybe his assistant and his hygienist cheating together. Oh, that would, yeah, that I've like Lance said, I've seen those those on porn. By the way, have you guys seen Contagion since this all happened? Have you gone back and watched that? No, I Contagion. So I I was on Kirk Barrett's show. 
the day of, of like the first day they started their sort of uh, COVID conference or whatever. And I talked a little bit about contagion. I saw contagion for the first time um, right after I'd seen Kirk Barrett speak. And have you ever seen Kirk Barrett speak? We have uh-huh. spoken together places. I think we both spoke for Gordon one year, but I think it was at different yeah. times. But maybe I thought, okay. speak, but go ahead. Maybe you'll remind me. He's great and he's really motivational and, and he's, you know, he, that's kind of his, his sort of practice coaching and, and trying to be the best you can be and whatnot. And I saw him when I was not in a good mind to have seen him. Um, I was really down on myself. I was in a marriage that wasn't working. Um, things weren't going well for me at the time. And so he made me feel really bad about myself. So this was like November? Um, yes, this is six, six weeks ago. Um, no, I, it was when Contagion came okay. out. Oh, 2011 oh, okay. or 20, yeah, 2011, 2011 I think. Um, cause I remember that weekend I saw him speak on a Friday. He was at my Seattle study club. Um, and I remember like leaving being really depressed and being really down on myself and being like, why can't you be better? Like, why can't you have more energy? Why can't you do stuff like that? And then, and then went to go see this movie contagion. And I remember thinking when I saw the movie contagion, like, wow, this would be great. Like I, like if there was just this pandemic, I could just get this disease and like, I wouldn't have to like deal with any of this garbage of my life anymore. And like looking back on it, like number one, how morbid that is. And number two, like how insensitive that was to say like, Oh, like let's get this global pandemic that kills a bunch of other people just so you don't have to like tell your wife you're not happy in a relationship. Like that's, it was, it was a really tough look for Yeah. Me. I mean, so, really you own guns. Come on. Why do, why do, why do we, yeah. <laughs> why, why does everyone else have to, um, you know what though? Um, you, you, it's worth, it's totally worth a rewatch now because you, you, well, but you don't remember You trust me. It's uh, seeing it in 2011 and no, I've, I've seen it since then. I've watched it probably three months. Okay. Ago. Because it is so yeah. prescient and you'll realize that, Steven Soderbergh has done way more research on this than Donald Trump, you know, has gone way deeper into the mechanics sure. of how all of this um, works. And it's 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 incredible when when you watch this. I mean, it doesn't really we're nowhere near where it ends up with, you know, Matt Damon, you know, having to steal food off food trucks and stuff, uh, stuff like that. But um we're not there yet, and, and I hopefully won't get there. But everything else that they get, and then that final closing scene where they actually show how everybody show got sick and go backwards, it's a, uh, it's genius, and it's a, uh, but it's just so accurate. And unlike the dentist, it's it's so real, and they get all the. Well, that's the thing. Right. Like, if that guy can spend the time to figure out virology, why why can't we figure out? Why can't Brian Yuzna figure out that you would not see lingual abrasion on a bite wing? <laughs> I would like to propose that. Um, Next week, we pick a day and we do a call like this, but we we don't necessarily have to record it. But let's all watch The Dentist 2 together so we can at least react to each other in live time about what we're seeing as we watch this. Okay, I'm down. We can Facebook Live it. I think we could try. Um, (laughs) There's one more quote here about how the uh, about how this worked. Um, Brian Yesna on working on The Dentist uh, said that uh, I really didn't like where the script went. So on the second script, we wouldn't look at it until the weekend before shooting. And then I would go look at the script the day before and rewrite it the day before the scenes were being shot at a sushi restaurant on Ventura Avenue. So basically, the director was rewriting the entire movie the day before he shot it um, in a sushi restaurant on Ventura. Uh, well, if you told me the whole thing was improv, I'd feel a lot better about it. Yes. <laughs> I mean, it's no curvy enthusiasm, but... uh if they were just kind of, you know, had very just broad strokes and they had to, I'd feel way better about what uh, they turned out with. And um, 
you know, one of the things that uh, one of the memories that brought up for me was uh, at the end where he's yelling, extract, extract. I wanted everybody to extract. I remembered at University of the Pacific, we had a satellite clinic in Union City. And that was basically the motto of the satellite clinic. It was in a very poor area. And basically, that was the message was extract, extract everybody. Because we wouldn't do Crown and Bridge or anything there. We were just like yeah. taking out all somebody's teeth and then um, letting the next crew come in, take the impressions for the dentures and, and stuff like that. So th- that was, you know, that closing scene, I had a flashback to being in our satellite clinic. Did either of you guys have like satellite clinics for your dental school where you go into the community and do stuff? Like yeah, that? I did. Yeah. Russell Street Clinic. We, did, we those, didn't do that. Those, we didn't extract, extract, extract. Those days, like, and that's kind of what it looked like when you look at that scene of of the uh, of, of the uh, like you know makeshift dental clinic that they built there with all all crappy dental chairs uh-huh. that aren't really real dental chairs. Um, yeah, I mean, I think we've all been in in those deals where you have the f- dentist faculty member that's telling you to do one thing, and you're kind of pretty sure it's not right. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> so it's like, uh, can I get someone else to come in and look at this, or maybe we reappoint for a different day. And you never expect the dentist faculty member to just pull out a gun and start brandishing <laughs> it at everybody. During that scene, there was something that that was really cute for the time. And I don't, this was probably a fourth rewatch kind of thing. Somebody says, why would he bring a gun to a school? <laughs> Which, in retrospect, like this was pre-Colline. It's just so cute in retrospect that now it's just like... Everyone would be like, "Oh, this dental school has done like like armed shooter, uh, active shooter drills right, or whatever, yeah. so they know how to handle it." Yeah. And back then, it was just the first thing is, "Why would he bring a gun to a school?" Like, "Oh, America right. in the night." Yeah, yeah. To, to- Bill Clinton's presidency, like, just so you know, non wartime, nothing to worry about. Other than Bill Clinton getting blown by Monica, like that was. If they made that today, it would be. Wait, why didn't he bring an automatic weapon to the school? Yeah, why didn't he bring an AR-15? Right. That's just a handgun. This why did he bring something from the Knott's Berry Farm cowboy show with the uh, pearlescent handle in the? Why did he bring that little toy gun? So unprepared. That's going to be the next gun that I get. I'm going to have to find that Walther yeah. chrome plated with a with a pearl handle because it really is. It's like the it's like the number two part in the movie. It's that gun is in more scenes than most of the actors in this movie. This, yeah, it's the, the movie could have really benefited from way more alcoholism and pill abuse and him just kind of spiraling. I, I get that that would have had to take place over maybe a, a couple of weeks instead of this random Wednesday, Thursday when it happens. But yeah. um, I feel like when you like after you saw Kirk and you were having that meltdown, you didn't drive to a dental school, you know, and, and try to steer and try <laughs> to steer gun. people wrong. Uh, you are much more likely going to head to a strip club or, or some place like that and abuse a lot of uh, alcohol. So that's part of it, too, that just feels so bizarre is him go, you know, if he's going to go out, it's going to be at a dental school of all places. I mean, last place I go to uh-huh. dental assisting school, at least. I mean, what, right. what, what a dental school. So the last category is who won the movie. Mm. And take that like however you want to take it. Each of us has to pick who won the movie. Hmm. Mike or Lance, I'll let either of you go first. Which um, which cop shoots him at the end? It, uh, he doesn't. Oh, does he ever? I don't think he ever gets. Oh shot. no, that's right. He escapes. He, he hears right. the opera singing and he drops the gun and starts crying right. at how beautiful the opera singing. He he is at yeah. the community college. This guy's so stupid he doesn't even know how to take a hostage. So he takes a hostage and then lets go over to open the door. And there's yeah, yeah and so she's gone. Yeah. So he doesn't have that. And then, yeah, he runs onto this stage and then he hallucinates again, right? Doesn't the opera singer turn into his wife? Or no? Yeah, for a second. Yeah, Yeah, but then like the beauty of her voice, he starts crying because he realizes like what's what's happening. Right. 
I so would nothing would have made me happier than um, if it would have been like uh, the second Bo Burnham special, Josh, where um, he's doing that whole opening number. And uh, and then the magical unicorn appears to him. Do you remember this? <laughs> and then out of nowhere, he just pulls out a gun and he shoots those shots and then he reloads the gun and his, he mimics it perfectly to the sound effects of everything that he's that he's doing. And then um, I really wish Corbin Bernstein would have shot the opera singer. It would have been just a great. Oh, my God. Moment. Um, and I, he could have turned the gun on himself, too, as they yelled. No, with that kind of long shot. But uh, I got me to give it to the orthodontic patient. I think she ultimately is the one who has the wherewithal to fight him off. And yes, he leaves and goes down and it all ends with this bizarre pullout shot on the stage that just keeps pulling farther and farther back till you're out by the the moon like it was going to be a really um, like it was the opening shot of Citizen Kane, this long crane shot. But uh, yes. It was just bizarre, but I'm going to give it to the girl because she's the one who finally uh, gets gets him to to stop in a sense before he leaves. As funny as the IRS guy was, and as as crazy as the lines of the black cop were, I'm going to give it to her for always insisting on going back, even even after being you know assaulted verbally by uh, Mark Ruffalo in the waiting room. She still had the wherewithal to pull it together, go in there, get her braces off, her teeth look perfect, and then they again turn all stained and ugly in her mouth. But she she wins it because she finally puts a stop to this or starts the starts uh, you know the the uh, events that end to his downfall. Lance, who won the movie? I'll go with Mark Ruffalo because this is where he then goes out to become the Incredible Hulk. <laughs> Ruffalo is just incredible in this movie. I mean, just every his haircut, his wardrobe, uh-huh. it's just off the charts. I'm going to go with Matt the Pool Guy. Because even though he got slashed, he got to hit two MILFs yeah. like, consecutively. He's he's wearing a, a $20,000, $30,000 watch. Um, he's working in the sun in L.A. He's he's obviously an aspiring actor. Living the best you know, life. You can just tell how ripped he is. He's living his best life. Um, yeah, he got killed, but he went out doing what he loved. which Back was a bang banging a married 35 year old i don't know how old like maybe 40 married 40 year old a hot 40 year old la milf for sure uh, and then goes next door and does the same thing to the lady next door like living the best life american sure. dream yeah yeah he was um yeah he he had a six-pack um he had just huge guns um yeah nice looking guy doing his route live hard die young yeah. So I, I would imagine guys like that are literally a dime a dozen in LA. Just guys like they're just ripped. They're all they just come from every place around the country, and they're all doing odd jobs in LA, like being waitresses and uh, and pool guys and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, I feel like pool guys gotten a lot more corporate, you know. Since then, I feel like there's you know probably companies now that ha- that have that, and um, you know that whole thing of the pool guy or the p- p- pizza delivery guy. I don't know what it is now. Is it the DoorDash guy? I mean, they're not, I mean. Yeah, or like an Uber driver, I guess. They're not getting any action, are they? You know, the Lyft drivers used to have you sit up front. Maybe that's what that was about. I don't know. But um, <laughs> I don't know. Now it's all porch delivery. And uh, I don't think anybody. Yeah, no, the, no contact. Yeah, in the in the service industry is probably getting that. But uh, I can see a good argument for both of, both of your choices. Uh, well, the, the, the day of the hot waiter ended uh, with Ron Goldman. So that, that ended that deal. Then it went to, that was 94. <laughs> Then, then it went to pool guy, and then now, like you said, I guess it's Uber driver, Lyft driver. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. Well, guys, two hours and forty eight minutes <laughs> for a ninety minute movie. <laughs> so you could have watched this movie almost twice in this it's amount about. of time. Uh, I I don't know what else to say. It's it's the it's dentistry's Top Gun. Um, it's absolutely incredible. 
It makes me want to watch it again. It makes me want to start a GoFundMe with both of you and do a shot for shot remake uh, of it <laughs> with real, real Dennis, who we know. And if uh-huh. we were going to recast this with oh, a real, the uh, with a real Dennis that we know, who who's playing the Corbin Burnson role? I know that um, Uche Odiatu would be the pool guy because he's probably the most ripped Dennis. He's ripped, yeah. <laughs> And he wears sure. tank top sometimes on stage um, to show it off. But who do we see as the, besides Josh, who do we see as the brooding? Uh, crazy? Well, obsessed mm. with no, perfection but, ostensibly or cleanliness. Yeah. I'm going to go with um, Chris Ramsey. Oh, mm. okay. Um, More than Rob Ritter? <sighs> Maybe could tag team the I, role? Yeah, I, th- I think either one of them could work. Um Ritter fits a little bit more as as far as like the the look goes. Um, you know, Ritter's pretty buttoned up. Ritter's really well put together. Um, I just feel like Ramsey would be the closer one to to snap. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I mean that with love. Like Ramsey's got a shorter fuse than Ritter does. Really? Oh, I can see that. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I felt like Chris was more emotionally expressive, and maybe not though. I mean, I just I I know that he was doing. Teaching a course and maybe still teaching, I think, on communication, like between um, staff members and stuff like that. So I would have, I would have guessed that he would be the one who's more communicative and able to handle. I'm trying to think. I do feel you mentioned. You know, I feel like this is written kind of for like that that sort of LA dentist that real like Dorfman came up came to mind to me multiple times watching this. Yeah, like I don't see Mike Scramstead. You know, I don't see a Minnesota guy mm-hmm. doing it um certainly um alan mead has the brooding hate the just the, re- yeah, the rage sure. inside well of and, him. yeah <laughs> i like right. every chance now like every time i'm on a podcast or doing something i like bring dragging alan into this because he's such a good friend or j, j- lips actually i i could picture j lips snapping could, you could snap for sure yeah um yeah I could see Chris Salerno. He's uh, I did not. <laughs> well, he, I think he's good looking enough. I think he's very photogenic. So I don't think he's that um, you know naturally angry. But um, he, I, I, I feel like he can do an angry face like better than I can. Like I could, I can oh, picture yeah. like okay. the New York. Yeah, guy may, yeah, maybe that maybe that's it. The the New York guy uh, uh, in there. But um, would you have any of your staff members you like to nominate, Josh? <laughs> <laughs> Um, Which one do you want to strangle? Yeah, no. Um, I'm trying to figure out how to answer this question adroitly um, and, and, and dodge and defer. Um, there's none that I want to strangle, for sure. And there's none that I want to do an air embolus on, uh, uh, for certain. Um, there have been a few patients over the years that I would like to jam an articulator into their, into their mouth. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I think uh, you hear enough horror stories about hygienists and assistants being a pain in the ass that uh, I, I, it shouldn't be any problem to find you know, a strangleable or a injectable hygienist, uh-huh. um, you know, to, to, to fill those roles. I think that's, that's doable. You know, I, you know what I think you should do, Josh, is start a, uh, just for fun, start a Dr. Feinstone webpage. I mean, Yelp page. <laughs> do <laughs> yes. a Yelp page for him. We, that would and we be can great. write some reviews like from the characters that we saw in the film about it started off. Okay. But then he put a nitrous mask on me and then my, um, my nylons were gone. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, my my molar was just destroyed. Nothing was I'm ever I'm pretty filled. sure I've been finger blasted. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. Three, three just... stars. <laughs> <laughs> three, yeah. Definitely a three-star experience. Because yeah. um, at least you got the nitrous. You know, you can't, 
can't complain. Yeah. And she made it out alive. Uh, if you're April Reigns, you that's know that's true. that's a win. That's a win too. Um, and and you know he was pretty good at ortho though. I mean Sarah's ortho did turn out pretty nice. It so. was perfect when he took that off. It looked yeah. really good. Somehow, yeah. yeah, he all the they all all the brackets came off by just removing one. I like what technology that is. Um, yeah, so thank you for uh, suggesting that we uh, do this, Josh. <laughs> in this movie in, in 20 years and it was great fun to see it's it's one of the only um again like little shop of horrors or stuff like that you're just like yeah whatever marathon man you're like yeah whatever as a dentist th- this will this will draw you in and if you don't have to take notes while you're watching it um you'll get through it in 90 minutes but it's 90 minutes of insanity and i look forward to next week josh send out an invite to lance and i so we can watch the the dentist. yeah we've got to watch the dentist because it's got yeah be i can uh, who knows could it be better could it be worse corbin burtz is still alive you know this is like on the soprano he's in it he's in the movie oh, he yeah okay oh, he's oh in the movie. like a work release program is he like <laughs> he's picking up litter on the side of the freeway at the beginning and then he gets out or beats the ra- i can't wait to see how he beats the rap or what happens he's clearly not much older than he was before it's it was two years later so uh apparently it was a two-picture deal that his attorneys could not get him out of uh would be my only idea right. behind it yeah uh or like you said he owed he owed the irs uh some some money um that's the only explanation it's the only explanation well this was fun boys just under three hours uh we're gonna probably break this up into a couple parts for working interferences uh, but absolutely spectacular. Such a fun time. I enjoyed watching it all four times. Uh, you guys were awesome. Thank you guys so much. Uh, Mike, thanks for coming on and being a guest. Lance, for thank you for for enduring this and uh, <laughs> and uh, and sitting through. Uh, well, I, at the end of this, plus the time that it took to watch the movies, four and a half hours worth of 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 Dennis talking. Yeah. So, uh, <laughs> for Mike Detola, for Lance Timmerman. Uh, I'm Josh Waston. Peace. Stay fresh, cheese bags.